0: Welcome to another episode of The Agile Speaker, where I'm talking to Marianne Johnson about the science behind the art of speaking. Last time we talked about preparation, so by now you'll be keen to get out on the stage a bit, but we've missed something that often accompanies you up there as a speaker, and it's something that people love to hate. Of course, I'm talking about slides. Now, I started with the old cliche because the fact that it's so common shows how easily we can go wrong. Does Marianne still see the dreaded death by PowerPoint?
1: Unfortunately, yes, I do. I I see it at the beginning of the workshops that I run. I think that times are changing. I don't think that anyone can get away with death by PowerPoint anymore. Just putting bullets up on a screen one after the other or or all at once, it just kills a presentation and it kills yeah. it for the audience. So, you know, whatever those, it whether it's slides or whether they are a film or a demo or a prop or something like that, whatever aids that people use, they need to be visual.
0: I mean, we're talking about the agile speaker here, aren't we? Is that when you've got bullet points up there, it's almost like a, a script that you can't deviate from, isn't it?
1: Yeah. And the problem with it, of course, is that so what's happening is that slide packs like that tend to act like a bit of a hybrid. Mm -hmm. So they are the presenter's notes. They are a visual aid because they feel they ought to have something up Mm -hmm. behind them, but they're also often the handout and the slides cannot do all three things successfully. They are probably going to be most successful as a handout because that's what the speaker will have been thinking about presenting them. So they'll be grammatically correct. They'll be probably quite long winded. So it kills the agility for the person actually presenting, but it, it really kills it for the audience.
0: Is it okay to use slides as a, a script of
1: sorts? I think that depends on the audience and how well they know your subject and perhaps language. I think you can get away with having some bullets up if you were speaking to a group mm-hmm. of people who are all speaking different languages where English not isn't necessarily the first language. But ideally, if you're going to have any bullets on there, they should be very, very short, very brief. You know, the clues in the name, they're visual aids. They should be visual.
0: So what do you, what do you recommend people do then to get away from that? Like what, what are slides for?
1: They need to earn their place in the presentation. They should be able to support what you're saying. So if there's something that you talk about that can be put across really quickly and simply through an image or a graph or a chart, then that's where they come in and they they really do a great job. They they shouldn't just you know they shouldn't be lots of bullet points because from the listener's point of view, all that's going to happen is that they're just going to read what's up on the screen. So they're probably going to disengage with what you say. The problem with any kind of visual aid, be it a prop or a slide or a film, or even using a flip chart is that they create a huge distraction. You immediately set up a competition between the eyes and the ears, and the eyes will always win. So the moment that you put that slide up, the moment you hand that thing across the table, your listener's going to direct their attention to that. So it's about making sure that any slides earn their place in the presentation, support your message, but don't distract people from what you're saying.
0: Do you think it's okay just to not use slides at all?
1: Absolutely, because then it becomes all about you, your mm-hmm. personality, and people remembering you. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's black and white that you should or shouldn't use them. Mm-hmm. It will depend on your audience, what they're looking for, and what you're talking about. I've got many clients who, what they do, they need to show something. Yeah. They need to give a demo of their technology or something like that, which is makes it much easier for the audience to get what they're doing yeah yeah so it's really about being selective about the visuals they use yeah. and making sure they earn their place
0: i've had the experience of doing a presentation and being asked for slides and saying i don't need them for this and almost getting the reaction that oh are you not preparing are you being lazy <laughs> so how do you justify
1: it that happens a lot for myself too because i use very few if any slides myself and, and if somebody asked me that question, I would say, I've, I have notes. I'm happy to send them over if you want to see them. But they're for my eyes only yeah. when it comes to the presentation. Mm-hmm. And they're just for me to use as a roadmap as I'm going along.
0: So if you are going with the slides then, which many people will, like you say, there's, there are good reasons to include them. Do you think there's any rules of thumb around quantity, around you know, how many you use?
1: No, I don't believe that there are any rules You do often hear people talking about a slide per minute or um, however many, uh, how they time them and that sort of thing. I think as few as possible is a good strategy, but ultimately they have to earn their place. So you could be doing a pitch at a competition or you could be going to pitch to your clients across the boardroom table and you might only have one, you might only have two, you might have three. It really comes down to the content of the presentation first and if there are any slides that earn their place to support what you say.
0: As few as you can manage. I think that's good guidance in a lot of areas, from the length of a talk to the number of big ideas you cover in it. But let's assume you think it through and you do end up with a short slide deck that's really worthwhile. In that case, you want the audience to take notice And then the battle between the eyes and the ears, it really escalates. So how does Marianne strike that balance between the two?
1: So the most important thing is to think about controlling the listener's attention. Mm -hmm. You need to lead the meeting Mm -hmm. and then control the listener's attention when you're using the slide. Now what tends to happen at the moment is that, that the presenter clicks the button. And up comes the slide. And what happens next is that the listener is distracted and they look at the slide. They digest it. They make their own interpretations of it and you've lost control. So another way of doing it is, is to really flip that on its head and turn it the other way around. Now, to give it, just to illustrate how this works, if you imagine that um, as you're listening to this podcast, you might imagine that there is a picture on the wall of the room that you're sitting in. And that picture has hills in the background, it has a blue sky, and there was maybe a lock in the foreground with some boats on it. Now, if I say to you, and maybe imagine you have other people in the room as well, and if I said, have a look at the picture, and everybody has a look, and then I say, okay, tell, tell me what you've seen. And you might say, I noticed the blue sky. Someone else might say, I noticed the boats. Somebody else might say, I just saw serenity, which is what happened recently in a session that I did. And it just shows how everybody sees something quite different from that picture. And that's what happens every single time that you put your slides up for people to see. So you've lost control. They're making their own interpretations and they're all seeing different things. So to turn that around and to, to run the slides more effectively, Again, using that example, if I say to everybody in the room, I'm about to show you a picture of a landscape on the west coast of Scotland and there are hills and there's a lock and there are boats. But what I really want you to focus on is how the wooden frame around it makes it stand out from the wall. I can almost guarantee everybody will be looking at the wooden frame that makes the picture stand out from the wall. So you've controlled the entire room to look at the thing you want them to see and you've potentially influenced their thinking. And that works for a room of 10 as well as it works for a room of 100. Yeah. And it's incredibly powerful. And it means the end result is that you end up having a presentation where the listeners feel absolutely drawn to everything you're saying as well as being drawn to the slides. And they feel that you're holding their hand all the yes. way through it. Yeah. It's easy. They're not having to figure out what they should be looking for.
0: That does sound powerful and also sounds like you can't then use your slides as you know prompts as many presenters do you need to know what's coming don't you
1: yeah and that's where they work hand in hand with you know if you've got some bullet points on some note cards or on your pad next to you that they are your roadmap i would i always recommend to clients that they note in their notes where the slides come up yeah. so that they know where they're going and they know when to click but actually, if you think about what we've just been talking about, this potentially means that you might have far fewer slides than than what you've been used to. So actually there's less to think about anyway.
0: I've heard you talk about holding slides before. What's a holding slide?
1: Yeah, a holding slide can be really useful for those situations where you don't have a slide for every single thing you talk about. So you might have fewer slides within the presentation. But because of the continuous nature of PowerPoint, you need to have a slide that is is—it's like a transition slide from where there is imagery or graphs or charts. And then you need essentially a transition slide before the next chart, graph or image. Now, it doesn't necessarily have to be a blank. It could be something that holds your corporate background. The corporate background shows that the slideshow is still working, but there's nothing really distracting up there for the audience. But it allows the audience to maintain their attention, either listening to you when the holding slides up, or then being directed and controlled to the informative visual aid, and then going back to the transition slide afterwards.
0: I often use blank slides, and they're always super effective. It puts the focus on you while it's up and it draws extra attention to the following slides when something appears. Before we finish, let's talk about the finish. Marianne had this to say about the climax of your slides if you're looking to make the maximum impact.
1: With certain events, certain competitions nowadays where if you're asked to pitch for three minutes and then there's Q&A for seven minutes, it is important to bear in mind that your final slide at the end of the three-minute pitch is what will sit there for another seven minutes of Q&A. So be smart with what's on that slide because of course nowadays everybody is using social media in the audience so make sure that you've thought about what's up there. Contact details or a strap line or a call to action, something like that. Twitter handle and so on, so that it's useful and if it's being retweeted or shared on social media, the right information is being shared.
0: To find out more about Marianne's work, visit
1: marianejonston.co.uk.